We welcome you into another episode of OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. ESG is a phrase we hear more and more these days, especially in the automotive industry. The environment piece, particularly a focus on carbon emissions, is a driving force behind a lot of changes that are sweeping across the industry. With the automotive industry linked directly to 12% of annual carbon emissions each year, it's squarely in the ESG spotlight for investors, customers, consumers, and regulators. That will only accelerate with accelerating demand for EVs. So what is ESG and why is it so important? And what should automotive suppliers think about as it relates to their carbon emissions? OESA's Automotive Insiders hit the road for a number of recordings broadcasting from the main hall at the November OESA Automotive Supplier Conference in Novi, Michigan. In this episode, we caught up with two Bain & Company executives, Lucas Martin, partner, and Trent Murphy, associate partner. They explore what ESG really means, its impact on automotive suppliers, some options to address the important trend, and we discuss how to think about ESG in the context of the many other priorities of an automotive supplier today. Automotive Insiders on the road at the OESA Automotive Supplier Conference. Well, it's great to be back at the OESA Automotive Supplier Conference. This year, the future is calling. How will you answer? And I think I know how you two are going to answer my questions. But first of all, thanks for being a platinum sponsor here of the event. Welcome, Lucas Martin. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. And Trent Murphy, it is great to see you. Likewise, glad to be here. So let's start with uh, topic of the day here. What is ESG and why is it so important? We're going to talk about this in the context of a lot of other priorities around the automotive supply base. But Lucas, let me start with you. What is ESG? Yeah, ESG is a particularly important for the automotive industry uh, on the E piece, so the environmental piece. Uh, the automotive industry globally is responsible for 12% of uh, carbon emissions. So it is, it is a big uh, component of that, and therefore it has a big spotlight on it, right? Uh, and what that means is that there's a number of implications that come with that spotlight. So OEMs in particular, you're seeing them start to move towards having, uh, having targets that they're, they're publicizing and they're moving towards. And that has uh, implications because for this conference, right, that is the customer for, yeah. for the supplier. Um, and, and the suppliers are, are going to need to be a part of that. And all of that matters in the industry because consumers care about it, right? 75% of millennials start to think about sustainability in their purchases. The, the regulators, right? This industry has been heavily, uh, has had a regulatory uh, impact uh, since, since the beginning with the cafe standards, uh, greenhouse gas standards, things like that really, uh, really matter from a, a stick perspective. And the, you're starting to see regulation come in with a carrot perspective on uh, tax subsidies for consumers to shift the powertrain to BEVs, right? So uh, all, all of this starts to matter in the ecosystem. And oh, by the way, uh, OEMs care about the investor base as well who care about this. Uh, we do a lot of work in private equity and we're seeing a lot of the funds care about this. We're seeing about the uh, investor base that's participating in private equity care about that. So really, uh, it's in short, it matters because it's big and it matters because um, there's, there's a number of players that need to be participating in this for, for it to move the needle. Lucas, let me stay with you for just a follow-up question. How should, auto, how should automotive suppliers think about their carbon emissions? There's a couple ways to, to frame this, and I'll start by saying there's, there's scope one, scope two, and scope three emissions. So scope one, think of this as 
the, the manufacturing facility, this is the smoke that's coming out of the stacks from actually making the product, right? The scope two is, is really the emissions that have to do with the energy being used. So think of this as the, the uh, emissions from the utility that's, uh, that's being used from the electricity that the facility is using. And scope three is really the upstream and the downstream uh, impacts of the sourcing that, uh, that the supplier is using, and then the downstream is the product being used and the emissions that that's causing. In the automotive industry, uh, the, the majority of the emissions are on the downstream side, right? So that spotlight that I was talking about earlier, a lot of that spotlight has been shining on what are those downstream emissions. Um, and that's why you're seeing a lot of the things happen with, with the powertrain shifts. Uh, with the powertrain shift also comes uh, a shift in the spotlight, right? BEVs don't have the same carbon emissions as an ICE on that downstream, uh, that, that downstream side. Um, and, and, but, but BEVs do have um, more of a, a carbon intensity to them on the, on the creation side, on that upstream side. Um, so you're seeing that spotlight that was historically on the downstream side starting to shift to the, to the upstream side, and again, that, that's what matters to OESA and these suppliers here. Like that's, that's where the spotlight is going to start to shift to them, and that's going to start to matter. Trent, let me turn to you. Uh, help me understand the importance of targets. Yeah, I think that that's one thing that, that a lot of uh, folks are hearing about today is really the science-based targets that, that many many companies are setting. We've seen about 100% year-over-year growth in targets more broadly, and then you've heard a lot from OEMs making targets, and you know you hear GM going 100% powertrain electric by 2035, and folks like Daimler are saying, hey, we're going to be carbon neutral by 2039. And that has real downstream and upstream impact on, on the industry. And when we think upstream in the supplier base, you know, many suppliers are thinking about what, what does this matter? How does this matter to me? And how do I respond? And we've seen many that are trying to be more leading edge in terms of making commitments of their own and saying, hey, we're going to be carbon neutral by 2040 or by 2050. And, and folks like Conti or Bosch, Lear, ZF have all kind of made these type of commitments from you know that tier one supplier perspective which allows them to really start to be on the forefront of sustainability but other suppliers need to think similarly but I think we're, we're, we're coming to a point where it's not just around those external targets and commitments where it, it's really going to be about the tangible sustainability impact and, and accomplishments that the companies are able to make. So Trent what are the available levers that OESA members have at their disposal to address carbon emissions. Yeah, Lucas talked a lot about this, but I, I think one of the things that, that he mentioned that's super interesting is that, you know, as we move toward powertrain electrification, those downstream impacts become much, much reduced, right? And, and upstream becomes more of a spotlight, right? We have a 60% overall reduction in life cycle emissions, but upstream becomes greater. And, and that's going to shine a spotlight on, on suppliers. And, you know, you, you can think about that immediate impact of producing a vehicle and, and the, the carbon emissions that, that that creates, and then the downstream effect of actually operating that vehicle. And, and the reality is, uh, you know, that discount rate for the downstream effect shouldn't be very high because of the, the long-term uh, you know, the, the, the long-term carbon atmospheric half-life, you know, it should have a low discount rate, but I wouldn't count on the public acting like financiers and, and really treating that like, like the, the discount at a, an appropriate discount rate. So really what that means from an initiative perspective is suppliers need to think really strategically 
strategically about what matters to them and, and what they can do. And they, they, there's a lot of different levers, a lot of different initiatives, and, and they really need to think about the economic impact of those initiatives as well as the, the carbon reduction that they can drive. And you know, not only have individual initiatives, but have a broader program and think holistically around how to create the incentives and, and the, the proper commitment that, that they need to really make that happen. And many companies often think that a carbon strategy is going to add to their costs, but you would argue, Trent, that that doesn't need to be the case. So yeah. how should they be thinking of investing in some of these ESG-focused projects? It, it's a great question, and I think there are, are many initiatives that, that have both a positive carbon impact as well as a, carbon, a positive financial impact. And really beginning with those win-wins is really critical, and, and that will allow them to, to really get runs on the board, but also think more holistically from a full potential perspective about where to make those investments. And having that, that broader strategy is really critical to, to make sure that um, to, to make sure that the investments are being done in line with the investment postures that they that, that they have along the, the, the various different levers that they have. So Lucas, in the context of what's happening in the industry, how should suppliers, especially ones who are here at this event, think about ESG? Yeah, I, I think uh, Trent teed that up well. Is first thinking about that on those win-win dimension on what are profitable and and what will also have an impact on the on the environment um, that's kind of the first thing so thinking where the impact is where the business case makes sense but there's also this other component of you really need to think strategically and think about where there's opportunities to secure key supply constraints like in the value chain and say actually there's a lower carbon option that might be constrained as the world starts to move that way and creating the optionality to exercise that when, when needed. A good example here is green steel, right? You can imagine, or steel we know is, is pretty carbon intensive. Um, it's, it's a key input into, into the automotive uh, process and, and automotive manufacturing. And, and there's, as the world transitions and as the world starts to shine that spotlight on that upstream portion, uh, there's going to be a, a constraint of supply that exists there. And so the ones that are able to move quickly, the, the suppliers that are able to secure the, the supply that they need ahead of time or give themselves the optionality to get the supply that they need, uh, that, that's going to be really important in a way to win. Yeah, and one thing to add there is I, I think there are you know several industries where the automotive uh, supply base has a disproportionate uh, opportunity to make an impact. You think of things like rubber, where you know the automotive supply, the, the automotive production base ha accounts for a large majority of, of, of that demand, and, and therefore you know being able to really influence that supply base and that industry and, and, and make it greener is going to be really important. And there are other examples like steel as well that that really kind of play into the hands of, of influencing upstream and making sure that it's not just the tier one, tier two suppliers, but your tier four, tier five suppliers that are really kind of becoming sure. more green and more sustainable. Lucas? Yeah, and I would just kind of end in saying that uh, this is this is one trend that is happening across a, 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 a spectrum of, of things that are happening uh, to the supply place. You can imagine the the, the changes in financing with, with the inflation, you can change you know, ESG, of course, there's uh, supply chain disruptions and, and global stability questions, and also the, the powertrain shift and, and the transition to using more software and vehicles. So there, there's a, a lot of change that's happening in actually the, the ESG consideration is one that can touch on, on a lot of those pieces and um, really start to enable many of those uh, for the supply base. It's a buzzword that we're going to hear more of in the future, but thank you so much for enlightening us here today. Lucas Martin, 
Trent Murphy, thank you. Thank you. Thanks. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. Thanks again to my guests of Bain & Company, Lucas Martin, and Trent Murphy. And thanks for listening to OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time. 